0: I'm Sean Fennessey. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And together we host The Big Picture, the Ringer's film podcast for new releases, career retrospectives, director interviews, movie drafts, top fives, and so much more.
1: Twice a week, we break down the latest releases, argue about whether movies are doomed, and debate our modern film canon.
0: Listen to The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This episode is brought to you by Brooks, Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight, so you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins in the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner
3: Hello and welcome into The Ringerverse, your Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. I am Ben Lindbergh, a senior editor for The Ringer, welcoming you back to Button Mash in 2024. Old acquaintance should not be forgot. So with me today are two longtime comrades in the content trenches. Ringer deputy art lead Matt James is here. Hello, Matt. Hello, Ben. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and senior staff writer Justin Charity returns. Greetings, my friend. Yeah, let's do this, Ben. Let's do this. <laughs> Here's some little-known lore about The Ringer. Justin and I were freshman year dorm mates in college. <laughs> My God. Little did we know that one day we would work for a wonderful website called TheRinger.com and appear on podcasts together because the technology for podcasts had barely been invented back then. That's why I'm a senior editor and you're a senior writer. We're both <laughs> old. <laughs> Maybe
1: you That's can live the in the same retirement community someday,
3: you know? Yeah, yeah no, really. Come really full circle. circle. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: so, you wish me a happy new year. I try to abide by Larry David's three day window for wishing people a happy <laughs> new year. But... <laughs> I haven't seen you. I know, because we haven't had a pod yet this year. I'll take it into extend... February. I'm yeah, not afraid. That's what makes him mad. But we can extend the window, I think, and wish you, each other, our listeners, a happy 2024. And how appropriate, because games we hope will make us happy in 2024 is our topic today. There's one thing I want to run by you both before we get to those games. I know it can be boring when people talk about their dreams, but can I describe and share a short video game themed dream I had this weekend? I would love that.
0: Yeah, let's go. Cool. I would <laughs> Continue Thank counselor. you. Thank you
3: for indulging me. <laughs> I was the new drummer for the Rolling Stones, but wow. I was playing on a drum set from Rock Band, the game, and... Evidently, I'd been doing well because we were on the last stop of the tour before we went to London for the final show. But five minutes before showtime, I realized that I had lost the cord that connects the bass drum pedal and I couldn't (laughs) find my bag. And you know how things happen mysteriously in dreams. So suddenly, somehow, I had that cord, but I couldn't connect the cord that powered the drums. And in my dream, I think the pads were supposed to light up so I would know what to play because I couldn't stare at a screen during a concert. And it dawned on me then that Mick and Keith and Ronnie were about to start playing and I just didn't know the drum (coughs) parts by heart. All I knew how to do was to hit the pads in time with the lights. And it was kind of your classic, didn't do the homework, didn't study for the test style anxiety dream, just with Rock Band and the Rolling Stones instead. And Mick Jagger's craggy face was wearing this exasperated expression like, can't we get a real drummer? This never happened to Charlie oh, Watts. No. What is going on here? And that was the last thing I saw before I woke up. I'm just glad it wasn't a dream about the Beatles rock band because I could not have handled Paul McCarthy's huh? disapproving expression. <laughs> What do you think this means, if anything? What does this say about me? And is this anxiety
0: psyche? about recording this podcast? Because I can tell <laughs> yeah. you, the listeners, Ben did the homework for this. I, yeah, i probably prepared you that. for this pod. Yeah, he's
1: prepared for the pod.
0: I don't know what this anxiety is. Coming <laughs> I got to tell you,
1: though. They found a replacement and it's not you. I know. I know. It's probably <laughs> for the so
2: best
3: sorry. Though, because of my inability to play the drums. But mm. if I had to psychoanalyze myself, I'd say that this might stem from when I was a kid. You know, it always goes back to your childhood. And my mom would tell me to stop wasting my time playing video games and go back mm. to practicing the piano, you know, a useful skill. An actual yeah, actually will show her. Yeah. So maybe I internalized some sense of inadequacy about boomers denigrating games and my playing of them. Maybe that's it. But (laughs) here I am hosting a video game podcast, not a piano podcast. So take that, mom. Yeah, take that. Maybe it was a prophetic dream about playing Fortnite Festival with instrument support in 2024 because I do have a rock band drum set still sitting in my closet. I do not have room for that. I got rid of that. You guys ever have video game dreams, anxiety, or otherwise? Now it's my safe spot video no, games. Actually, yes, like <laughs> a
0: lot, but we don't want to go there. I don't yeah, g- no, Don't don't
3: divulge <laughs> too much. I don't need to know <laughs> what characters appear in your video game dreams. You can save that for the fan fiction. Well, today we are daydreaming, at least, about gaming-related releases we hope and plan to play and watch in 2024. This is the Hype Pod, where we break down the best of what is confirmed to be coming out and a few things that we've persuaded ourselves could come out, even if that's probably a pipe dream. Before we preview upcoming games, let's preview upcoming podcasts. On Wednesday, the Midnight Boys will be giving you their instant reactions to Marvel's Echo, which drops all at once this week. On Friday, House of R will have a deep dive into Echo. But before that, this Wednesday, Sean Fantasy, the infamous fantasy and i will join joe and mal for the annual house of our hype draft now last year i took advantage of sean and joe and mal not being gamers to steal spider-man 2 and tears of the kingdom with Mm. the last couple of picks which felt almost unfair It, it was allowed by the rules but i felt like i was picking on them and their video gaming blind spot so this year I might restrict myself to TV and movies because hyping games is what this
1: podcast is for. Nah, dude, bring it bring it to them again. <laughs> you think? That's yeah. on them, not you. They got to know. It's true, but I don't want to duplicate content if I'm hyping
3: games today <laughs> and then hyping games the same games on Wednesday, different audience maybe. Well, All right. right. Well, let's hype some games and, and let's start with big picture thoughts because... 2023 is a tough act to follow, right? It was a huge year for video games. Sometimes these things are cyclical and we'll have a less big year following a big year because it just depends what gets delayed and what doesn't when these things happen to coincide. So how do you guys feel about what's in store for 2024? Will this be a big year too? Will it be
0: seen as a slump? Justin, how do you think things are shaping up? I don't know. I felt like I had such a fractured experience in 2023 in terms of gaming, right? In terms of balancing between playing stuff that came out. Okay, it's two things. Playing stuff that came out last year versus playing games older than stuff that came out last year. And also the classic, like, how much time I spend playing, you know, the steady stream of new single player experiences versus time I just spent, playing more street fighter six right <laughs> yeah. and, and guilty gear strive and so to me it's it's interesting because my experience i feel like if i made a pie chart right like a huge like a huge slice of that pie chart was just spent really in two games it was spent in strive and street fighter six and then a lot of it was in cyberpunk 2077 which came out earlier also but it's still like you know, still is like Phantom Liberty came out, stuff like that. So I don't know. To me, it's like I know there was stuff like Tears. I actually think ultimately I did not manage to spend as much time in Tears as I spent originally in Breath of the Wild, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, I guess I had a kind of low-key experience of the glut of 2023. So I don't necessarily as pointedly feel that sense of how could 2024 live up to 2023. Uh, Sometimes for me, I feel it's like all you need is one game that hooks me for 300 hours (laughs) yeah Yeah, that'll do it well matt as someone who played every
3: game released last year how are you feeling about the release slate for this year relieved
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there was too much good stuff last year (laughs) <laughs> there's too much, It's just too much. There should be plenty of time this year for people to catch up on all the great stuff they missed last year, and I'm sure you know we can look at this at the beginning of the year th- these names in front of us of games that are coming, and we can try and get a sense of how does this stack up. But ultimately, every year, things just come out of left field and surprise mm-hmm. us out of nowhere. So there's only so much predicting we can do, but we'll do our best we've 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 all three of us have kind of dug deep and tried to find some things that might not be as as big on the radar as some other things for the listeners here. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited. There's definitely really cool stuff coming, but I'm also excited to not play five games at once. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's okay if it's not quite as big a year because we still have a backlog to
3: catch up on, or at least most of us do. So they don't have to release anything this year. I'd be okay. I'd still have plenty of stuff to play. We could take a
1: break. We could do an intermission year. Yeah, it might be tough to do
3: podcasts, perhaps. That might not be the best for Button Mash. But yeah, I don't think it'll be as big a year. How could it be? There are still a bunch of big games that we know about, mm-hmm. and the next few months really are already pretty crowded, right? And I don't think it quite compares to what we knew coming into last year when we knew about Tears and Spider-Man and Starfield, etc. cetera, but... You're right. It's always kind of a black box beyond the first few months of the year because, A, there are always games that get delayed and don't actually come out. And then there are games that maybe we've heard of, but we don't know will be as great as they turn out to be. Or maybe we just have the hi-fi rushification of gaming Mm. and that will become a trend and we just won't know about a bunch of big games that come out. Like Super Mario Brothers Wonder wasn't announced until last June, right? And then it came out less than four months later. So there might just be some surprise releases or there might be things like Baldur's Gate 3 where we knew it was coming and maybe there was some level of interest but we didn't know it would be the year defining game, right? So. It's really tough to tell. (laughs) It's extremely unpredictable, which I guess is a good thing. It keeps things interesting, but I'm hoping for more surprise drops in 2024.
1: I'll I'll say this, though. Uh, It used to be that most of the good games, most of the best games came out towards the back half of the year. Yeah. And it seems like that, trend is just dead now. Uh, yeah, Games come out all year long. February, yes. March is pretty stacked this year. So that is definitely something that's changed and evolved in the past couple of years, I'd say. Yeah, you're right. It
3: has become decoupled from the calendar. It's not so much tied to the holiday season. It's like whenever it's ready
0: or close enough to ready that we can get away with releasing it. Ben, do you think it's helped? I think going into, before we get into the sort of categories of hype that we're breaking down, I, I think maybe like giving people a sense of how we approach the calendar year in gaming might might help listeners a bit. Because it's like, I I can say personally, right? Like, I am, you know, you talked about us being senior, (laughs) right? And it's like, I'm in that phase of life where, like, I pick my spots each year, right? Like, for instance, Mm -hmm. last year, like, I didn't get around to playing Alan Wake 2. I didn't get around to playing Baldur's Gate 3, right? And it's sort of, there's the period where I was like, this is going to be in a backlog there's a high chance I get to it this year, right? But, like, I definitely don't, like, I'm not approaching the conversation as somebody who's like, okay, I am I am going to play every single big thing the moment it comes out. But I do have, like, the genres and I do have the franchises where I'm like, oh, I'm absolutely playing Persona 3 Remake, like, you know, Reload Week 1, right? Like, I just, I have my spots, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you and Matt right? Like how your perspective or or your outlook on the year or each year is different with this stuff. That's how I would feel. I think, doing this podcast changes things somewhat, right? Which is uh,
3: not something that a lot of our listeners are necessarily going to identify with. But when we look at the calendar, say, okay, we have a button mesh coming up. What could we possibly tie that to? Then you're looking at whatever big game is coming out around then. And I would at least sample it, play it for a while so we could talk about it and then maybe return to it later or not. But if I were doing this organically without content creation in mind, then yes, I would probably feel the same way. I'd have a few games that I knew I was going to get day one and maybe just lose myself in and others that I would take more of a wait and see or
1: I'll get to it when I get to it type of approach. I definitely have uh, FOMO when good games come out and I'm not playing them yeah, so that sort of leads me to play most things. <laughs> I, I would say that that come out. I definitely yeah. used to kind of sit with, like Justin. You said that you know you you play a lot of Street Fighter Six and Guilty Gear Strive. I used to have that with like a few sports franchises. I used to put a lot of time into NHL and into mm-hmm. NBA 2K. Sometimes into FIFA. You know those kind of uh, yearly sports games that I sink a lot of time into have kind of fallen by the wayside for me as the games haven't really evolved all that much in the past five years. And that has ended up leaving me with a lot more time to discover new things and, you know, play all the indies that excite me and catch all the, the big releases coming out. We should do an episode on the stagnation of
3: sports games, making a mental note for some mm. time later this year. So probably if you listen to our Game of the Year podcast at the end of this year, there will be games that we talk about then that we don't even mention today that just aren't even on our radar or maybe we give them a passing mention, but don't dwell on them. However, we will do the best we can with what we know now. So here's how we're gonna do it. We have six categories. Each of us will pick one thing we're hyped for in each category and assign it a hype rating from one to six, where one is least hyped, and 6 is most hype. We have coordinated our picks, so we don't just say Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth three times, but
1: we might not have even avoided doing that, even <laughs> with this elaborate setup that we up you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. pretty sure it qualifies for all the categories. So. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but there are a lot of games here we're all hyped for, even if only one of us officially picks them. And along the way, we'll smuggle in some honorable mentions, too. And, of course, the standard caveats apply that video games get delayed so some of the games that we're about to mention may not actually come out in 2024 here are our six categories first sequel slash prequel So if it's part of an existing series, if it has a two or three or eight at the end of the title, or if it has a name, you know, and then a colon with some other subtitle (laughs) after it, it probably counts. And Expansions and DLC are also eligible for this category. Next, we have New Game Old IP. So it is not part of an existing game series, but it is based on an existing IP. Maybe it's a game version of some book or movie or TV show. It's an existing universe. It's an existing character set. Then we have all original. So all new from the ground up, not part of an existing game series or based on an existing universe or existing characters. Then we have the rerun category, which we had in our Game of the Year draft as well. So this is a remake, a remaster, or a re-release. It's something that has come out before in some form and is coming out in another form or even the same form. But again, then we have the adaptation category. So these are not games, but movies or TV shows based on games. We've talked a ton about this in the past year or two. There are more of these than ever. They're better than ever. And there are a bunch more coming down the pike in 2024. Finally, we have the unconfirmed category. So this is where we get into rumor mongering and speculation and wish casting, anything we hope or think could come out in 2024 that has not been confirmed, does not have a release date, or maybe even in some cases has not been announced, but it seems like it realistically could come out. And again, what with the surprise releases these days? You just never know. You can always hold out hope. So we're going to go category by category, and we're each going to pick something. And I guess we can go within the categories, maybe based on how hyped we are for it. Because we have one, one, and one, two, and one, three, and one, four, and one, five, and one, six to hand out a piece. So whoever has the highest hype rating for the category can pick first. And I guess for sequel,
0: prequel, that would mean that you are leading off. Charity, take it away. So look, am I already annoying <laughs> by saying that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth qualifies for the sequel <laughs> category, <laughs> yeah. not the rewrite But I don't know. It's sort of... Sure. If we were talking about the first entry in the this the great Final Fantasy VII remake project, obviously it classifies as a rerun. But I think that the Kingdom Heartsification of the Final <laughs> Fantasy VII remake project, I do think sets rebirth up to be something that feels quite different than just playing like disc two or disc one point five and disc two of the original Final Fantasy seven, and I think people seem pretty divided to an extent on how how they've gone about sort of spinning off the, the Rebirth project and the new tone it has and the timey-wiminess of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I'm excited to see where they go with it, even though I could... Sure, I could see some chance of it being a disaster and it being too Kingdom Heartsy. but also I loved that Yuffie DLC. So I don't know, man. I, I will take what they give me with this. I really... I love what they're doing with with Rebirth. I'm excited. I don't know. It's like the thing I'm the most excited for on this list as a senior staff member <laughs> who was there for the launch of Final Fantasy VII, who remembers playing that disc set. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just... It's, yeah. So this is your six. This is I'm your the most you know, hyped title, Yeah.
3: And I mean, I guess that's why we're so hyped for it, that it doesn't neatly fit into the rerun category. Not that you can't be hyped about a remake or a remaster. We are yeah. about some of them. But the fact that this is not just a prettier version of the original, but that it's actually something new, it's arguably a new game as much as it is a remake that I think makes us more excited for it. And you've already
0: gotten a look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Are you able yeah. to, to talk about the
3: sneak preview you got?
0: Am I? I mean, it's, it's sort of like <laughs> the stuff that I've seen so far of it and handled so far of it is, like they're still keeping their cards close to the vest with, with mm-hmm. like the stuff that I think people have played so far. The main glimpse that you see that's quite different, obviously, from the first, from remake, right, is this sort of open world stretch, right? And I think everybody sort of knew that. It's sort of where the the remake, the first remake or the first entry, I guess FF seven remake ends, right? Is where in the first game it's sort of like you hit the limit of Midgar and then from there you go off into Nibelheim and Calm and all that stuff. So like I've I've seen some of that, the more open world aspect. But yeah, I still have they still have played close to the to the best like the actual narrative beats of the second of rebirth yeah so i got nothing for you on that front <laughs> and
1: matt this would be a six for you probably if justin had not taken it I yes. assume stolen <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. absolutely a six for me i'm looking forward to see how the combat evolves in rebirth that yuffie dlc expansion really kind of got me excited for where Rebirth could take things because the combat of Yuffie's character kind of opened things up in a really interesting way. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to see that. And as always, I'm just excited to uh, hop on a Chocobo and uh, go everywhere (laughs) I want.
3: Well, we will certainly have some preview, possibly, and review, certainly, but MASH content coming when we get a little bit closer to release, not that it's that far away. So for my pick in this category which is a four for me, I'm going to take Hades 2, which is a sequel to maybe the game of the year of 2020. Who doesn't love Hades? And we're getting more Hades. So this would probably be an even higher hype rating for me if it were coming out in its final form this year. It's coming out in early access as the original Hades did. And so I guess you could say it's not eligible or it might not be eligible for, say, end-of-the-year awards. And typically, I don't even play early access games that much. I just prefer to wait. Again, there's just so much to play that I would rather play it in its finished, most polished form and prefer to play on console when I can. But I might have to make an exception because it's Hades. I don't know that I can wait until 2025 for more Hades. I have some slight misgivings, which is just that Supergiant Games... Everything they've done is really good, and I've loved all their games to varying degrees, and thus far, they have stubbornly resisted making a sequel, and there's something admirable about that, I think, and it makes me worried slightly that... If there's a little bit less of an original release, obviously Hades was such a breakout game for them. You know, they'd had critically acclaimed releases that sold well enough, but not a huge breakout year-defining game like Hades. So I don't blame them for making Hades 2. I certainly want to play Hades 2. But you worry, like, is this the pixar <laughs> while we're saying-ification of things, of super giant games? Is this a sign of less inspiration or will they be as amped to make more Hades as they typically are to make something completely original? But given their track record, I have faith that it will be great. So I just hope that it's in reasonably finished form and we can all enjoy it when it does surface this year. You guys excited for Hades too?
1: Oh, absolutely! They've said that they are not really setting a timeline on when the 1.0 release mm-hmm. is is going to come out. They're gonna wait until they feel it's ready. Now, hopefully that'll be 2024, but in all likelihood, I think it would be more likely for that to slip into early 2025. We'll see. But I'm not super worried about them, you know, making a sequel for once. I feel like let them get this money so (laughs) that they can continue to make
2: (laughs) new (laughs) games
1: of other, you know, like, you know, actors do this all the time. One for you, one one for me, right? This this one for for us, right, is still going to be really great. So I'm, I'm, I'm not... That's not something I'm super worried about. Yeah. The other thing is that Hades,
3: the original, is pretty endlessly replayable, right? And so you could almost say, well, with a roguelike, there's maybe less of a need for a sequel in some respects because every run is different. But I assume that it will be differentiated enough that it will feel like a fully new thing. But yeah, the original Hades came out in early access in December 2018, and then the game itself did not come out until 2020. And, you know, maybe with it being a sequel, perhaps there's less for them to figure out as they go this time. But I'm guessing we won't get, as you say, the, the official release on every system until 2025. Matt, what is your pick for a
1: sequel prequel? I think you all know that I have lots of time in my life to ride on chocobos. So <laughs> in addition to being hyped about FF7 Rebirth, I am also excited. And this is my number three out of six ranked pick i'm excited about the final fantasy 14 dawn trail expansion that comes out i believe summer of this year this is the latest expansion to final fantasy 14 online And for those who don't know yes that is a game that is still going mm-hmm. It is an online <laughs> final fantasy i think you all know it's an mmo but it's also definitely a narrative i've been playing final fantasy 14 for a few years now and i think that it's ready for anybody to jump in and you can get right to that dawn trail expansion you just got to just drop you know 120 to 40 hours and then you'll be (laughs) caught right up ready to check out what dawn trail has to offer so i'm pretty hyped about this the trailer just dropped a couple days ago or so i would recommend everybody go take a look at that trailer because it looks great yeah final fantasy 14 i've got a house in there got a couple chocobos got some Great mounts to ride. I think they announced that there's going to be a Final Fantasy 16 crossover event at some point soon, uh, which I'm excited about. I might be able to ride a Torgal through uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy 14. So, yeah, pretty hyped about that. All right, Just give it be a try. spring and
0: summer of Final Fantasy. For I know you. it's like Square Enix is your landlord, Matt. You just <laughs> <laughs> so it here's feels like they others... pay me rent, though. You know, yeah,
3: <laughs> they we keep didn't giving mention... me stuff. honorable mentions, not even counting Call of Duties and Maddens and other games we get new editions of every year, or even the new NCAA football. A long list of sequels and prequels that are coming out this year. We've got, of course, Elden Ring DLC, Shadow of the Earth Tree. We've got Dragon's Dogma 2, much anticipated sequel. Hyperlight Breaker, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, coming out soon. Tekken 8, coming out soon. Stalker 2, Hellblade 2, Greedfall 2. Destiny 2, The Final Shape, Arc 2, Cat Quest 3, Little Nightmares 3, New Contra, Operation Galuga, Earth Defense Force 6, love me some Earth Defense Force, Homeworld 3, Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines 2, Visions of Mana, Warhammer 40k, Space Marine 2, The Wolf Among Us 2. Any of those games that I just mentioned stand out to you? Cause wait, uh, can I got- say something about the
0: Shadow <laughs> of the Eritre DLC? So sure. Like, a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know what? It's the holiday. Let me re- let me re-download, let me reinstall Elder Ring, play it some more. I have a high play time in that, but I hadn't played it in forever, and I just like reloaded it where I last left off, and I have like. I have, like, a lot of gear and all this stuff, but I, like, reloaded at the Gideon Offnir fight and got my ass beat, and I was like, i forgot forgotten how to play this game. <laughs> like, totally. I have to, I'm, like, starting from scratch. I totally forgot everything about how to play this game. I'm, like, tripping. My fingers are tripping over each other on the mouse and keyboard. Oh, man.
1: But, yes, I do look forward to Shadow Tree. I, I have that experience constantly where there'll be a new DLC that comes out for something and I'm like hyped to jump back in yeah, and I jump back in. I'm like, how do I do this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Nothing is like riding a bicycle. It's like yeah. everything is like riding four bicycles like riding at riding bicycle. once. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. That's, <laughs> that is what rebooting Elden Ring felt like was riding four bicycles at once. That, yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Thank how you. How do you feel about
1: Checking 8? Are you a Tekken guy, Charity? I know you're fighting. I've you, never guy. been gonna... at, Here's the thing: I'm I'm very
0: into the music of Tekken, but I have never really played Tekken like that outside of arcades in like the late '90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been a Tekken guy, and I can't imagine. I already feel kind of overextended playing both Shrive and Street Fighter at the same time. So I don't know if I have the mental stack, as the gamers say. I bet Tekken. you do.
1: I bet you I do. Know. There's a demo Maybe. out. Check it out. I want to hear what, what do you think um, about it.
0: It's a real senior writer
3: move, citing playing Tekken in an arcades. <laughs> there you <laughs> no, go again. Good. That was good. See, we had to keep this theme up. Man, this <laughs> yeah, whether or not you're ready to dip back into Elden Ring and knowing from software, I'm sure they'll make it super easy on us. You know, there'll be a full tutorial. Oh. They'll just walk mm, us through every yeah. aspect. Mm-hmm. Here's where you go. Here's what you do. Just mm-hmm. hold our hands throughout the whole experience. But whether or not you're excited <laughs> for that, I feel like this is gonna be the year of Souls likes. Not that like every year hasn't been the year of yeah, Souls-likes <laughs> recently, but it just it feels like all the games maybe that were inspired by Elden Ring are coming out now and we're gonna talk about some of them, but Dragon's Dogma, right, which is a sequel to a game that I didn't play the first version of, but is quite popular, has a cult following, and this looks like it's really going to level up and people are super excited for it. We're going to talk about Avowed a little bit later, right? There are so many games in that genre that we're going to at least mention today. It just feels like this might be the year of peak Souls-like, right? (laughs) which I guess could be a good thing if you're into that. They're definitely in the spotlight now. And that's that's definitely thanks to Elden Ring. Yes, I think so. All right. Tons of exciting sequels on the way. But let's move on to our next category, new game, old IP. So again, it's based on something recognizable, but it's not part of an existing series. And I guess I've got to go first here because I'm the high man on the hype meter. And with my number five, my second highest hype pick, I've got to go with Star Wars Outlaws because I can only be myself. I'm a Star Wars guy. How can I not be excited for Star Wars Outlaws? So this game, which is coming from Ubisoft Massive at some point this year, probably later in the year, assuming it does stick this year, Makers of the Division... Again, I was worried when this was announced because, you know, Ubisoft's open world game. But then Avatar Frontiers of Pandora came out and Matt, we thought it was pretty good. We liked it. It was good. We liked it. That assuaged some of my concerns. I'd like it to be better than that was. But the fact that that wasn't bad makes me hopeful. This is set during the original trilogy. But of course, it's a Star Wars underworld game and we've had various underworld games, but I feel like we haven't quite nailed it. You know, everyone's been waiting for the spiritual successor to the late, great canceled game, Star Wars 1313, which has shown up in various other projects. But that's what everyone wants, right? A game where you can be a scoundrel, a smuggler, not a Jedi game. Just go from C D cantina to C D cantina. Not that you can't do that in other Star Wars games or even in Jedi Fallen Order, right? But... I think this is going to be, or at least is designed to be, that idea kind of coming to fruition. It lets you take off and land on the planet, (laughs) which is very important to me. In your face, Starfields, it can be done. Granted, there are only like several planets instead of many thousands, but but that's okay. In fact, that might be better. A little less procedural generation, a little more hand-designed worlds here. So... I'm excited. I have high hopes. I also have doubts and reservations. But if this game is good, it it might be my most anticipated Star Wars release period this year in what is going to be a, a fairly slow year by Star Wars standards. Are you guys hyped for Star Wars Outlaws?
0: I'm pretty hyped. Okay. I'll check it out.
2: I'll listen, I, I, it really hadn't
0: been on my radar that much. It's funny because like I've never really gotten, I've never really taken to the the Star Wars games to be honest with you and I don't know why it is. It's usually like the style of gameplay in a lot of the Star Wars games. It's just not, you should have what I go for, but, I
3: love a Star Wars game. You yeah. can find almost any kind of Star Wars game exists out there, right? So if this kind of brings the the narrative aspects of, say, Shadows of the Empire and combines that with, I don't know what the best comp is going to be, if it's like, you know, part Jedi Fallout Order parts other kinds of games like I I hope it's not just kind of a Avatar or Far Cry reskin
1: just like slap some Star Wars on the Ubisoft model yeah that would be pretty yeah. disappointing I understand your trepidation I think you know we've had two pretty great Jedi games in a row with Cal Kestis. Uh, as the lead and i think we might be getting to a point where we're sort of taking star wars games for granted as being good uh mm-hmm. at the in the current moment and uh i'm hoping that we don't have to remember how easy it is to mess up with star wars game <laughs> yes but from what i've seen it does look very exciting so i'm going to like you remain cautiously optimistic Right. I think the narrative
3: director of this game, Nikki Foy, worked on Watch Dogs Legion and Far Cry 6. So mm. again, it's like, did you like previous Ubisoft games? Then maybe you'll like this, maybe not. We'll see how much of that DNA is ported over. But it looks really good based on what we can see so far. So who's up next? New game, old IP, I guess. Justin, you get to go next.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that the sheer volume of Riot I am accountable for in this episode, <laughs> considering that, like, I am not a huge league person at all. But Project L, I don't know. Project L, I that counts, really. I, I, we're supposed to be getting, I don't know. Like, I, I think maybe the timeline on Project L is still a little up in the air, but I feel like that's the main sort of established IP, but, you know, new thing that... Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this year. I think especially because and we've talked already about fighting games, but like one thing I have no experience with in fighting games is like tag fighters. And I've never just I've just never really had what felt like a good entry point for me personally, you know, between like Dragon Ball and like the Marvel Capcom stuff. And I I just do think that like Project L speaks to me as a potential entry point into getting into into tag style fighters. You know, that's disavowing the whole the whole caveat I gave about Tech and 8 and having no more mental <laughs> stack. But like, I think I pre-reserved, I pre-allocated my mental stack long ago for Project L. So yeah, I don't know. Are you guys, this this has been a long running hype train too for Project L yeah. is
1: the thing. I feel like we've been talking about this game for four years. In this, point. this is a League of Legends spinoff that's a 2v2 tag fighter, right? Yeah. 2D fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any. I actually don't have any League of Legends experience at all. So this to me just looks like a fighting game. It doesn't. I don't have any like connection to these characters. It does look, you know, from what I'm seeing, it does look pretty compelling as a fighting game. But I don't have any personal connection to it. Have you guys played League of Legends? And what about tag fighters in general? Though, Do yeah, you, I like okay. back in the Marvel vs. Capcom days, yeah. and you know, all of that. Like I, I have. Through Capcom, I have a lot of experience in that. Okay. And and I have found those fighters to typically not be the ones I get super obsessed with. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I tend to, like you, you know, like to focus on one character at a time. Um, but when done well, uh, the the tag format can be compelling. Yeah. And as we mentioned in our Game of the Year pod,
3: this is just... Uh, Peak fighting game again. There's a fighting game resurgence going on with Street Fighter, with Mortal Kombat, with Tekken coming, and with Project L. And I guess also in this category, Multiverses is coming out in its final form after going away for a while and coming back. So no shortage of options. I'm not that big a fighting game guy, but because a lot of the recent fighting games have extended a hand, a welcoming embrace to noobs and butt mashers like me, I don't know whether this game will do that or not. But yeah, this is exciting and it's not the last League of Legends spin-off property that we will be discussing on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right.
1: Matt, you're up next. Yeah. So my pick in this new game old IP category is going to be my two out of six rating two on mm-hmm. the hype meter, uh, but still pretty hyped. Honestly, this is uh, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Yeah. And Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown is... Taking it back to the roots, it's an action platformer, just like it was when it first started. That comes out January 18th, so that is soon, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have gotten their hands on this, and everyone who's gotten their hands on this game has said, this is one to watch. This is really fun, and it looks fantastic, and, and the hype is there from other people. It's coming out soon, so uh, I'm excited to jump into that. It looks fun. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I don't know how long we'll be waiting
3: for the Sands of Time remake that may or may not ever actually come <laughs> out, but this looks good. Another Ubisoft release that I'm pretty excited for and we'll have our hands on it
1: soon as well. I'm not worried
3: about open world fatigue with the action platformer, but we'll No, see. That, that too. Okay. So that was your two, my five. Project L was a four for Justin. I meant to mention that Tatooine is in Star Wars Outlaws, which worries me. It's just, (laughs) ah, shit, here we go again. It's not the only planet, but yeah, you just have to have Tatooine, I guess, in your game. So we'll see how that goes. Other possibilities in this category, I mentioned multiverses. Princess Peach Showtime, at least a couple of us are pretty hyped for, right? This is the first playable Princess Peach game in... A very, very long time and looks like it actually could be a good one. I know Jessica Clemens is hyped for this game, too. So just not a lot of original Nintendo that's been announced this year. Lots of remakes and remasters and Mario themed re-releases coming. But this is one of the few original first party Switch games that we know is still in the pipeline. And I'm pretty excited for it.
0: Can we also say I feel like what it is with I think. The reason she's got the juice, Princess Peach. She's kind of tired of watching like Rosalina, yeah, and Daisy. And what's the the mayor? You know what I mean. She's she's tired of watching all these other chicks get all the shine. She's like, nah. She's coming back. She's kind of doing the Nicki Minaj thing, where she's coming back. She's like, no, I got to show y'all how to do this. Come on now. I was hey, I'm totally excited make for that the game.
3: Princess Peach, Nicki Minaj comp two.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: took those words out of my mouth. Maybe it's a stepping stone to playable Zelda. We'll see. You know, you can play as one princess. Why not the other? Everyone wants it. you have also got. A new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game based on Mutant Mayhem coming out. The art style looks cool. And you have Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is one of the higher profile releases coming out earlier this year. But there's enough surrounding this game to make me worried. You know, usually you'd think, oh, Rocksteady superhero game. I'm in. Except that the original unveiling didn't go so great last year. It's the kind of live service-y, microtransactions, season pass sort of game that I tend to get a little less excited about. Maybe the delay helps, but... I'm worried. I know that there have been some narrative leaks that I have avoided thus far. Presumably we'll cover this in some form, but it doesn't seem like the slam dunk that you would think another DC rock steady game would be.
1: I can't wait to get my hands on this. And not because I'm excited to play it. It's because I'm excited to see what it ended up being after yeah. all of this. Let's play a quick, <laughs> super quick game. What do you think ends up with the higher... Uh, Metacritic rating score. <laughs> Suicide Squad or Skull and Bones from, from Ubisoft. The <laughs> much delayed Skull and Bones. I I have hope.
3: I, I want Skull and Bones to be good. I can't actually believe that it will be, but I want to
1: believe, so I'm going to go with Skull and Bones. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just going to bandwagon with Ben on that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. legitimately have no I'm not I can't even make a pick, honestly. <laughs> I think they're they're both gonna be so heavily scrutinized after their very public delays and reworkings. Yeah that yeah, I think yeah. they're starting off at a disadvantage anyway, even if it does end up being even if they do end up being good games, it's gonna be mm-hmm. interesting to watch those release and how the reception goes for those two. Can I point out two conspicuous absences in this
0: category, new game old IP before we move on? I just wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna say two franchise titles. And they can see me after class. Wolfenstein, Tomb Raider. Mm. Mm. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You, you want more. I guess it we're, it getting, we're getting
3: adaptations and re-releases, right? So yeah. there's some Tomb Raider coming. But see me after yeah. class. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Next category. All original. Fresh IP. Just fresh as the newly fallen snow. Still unexploited. <laughs> no sequels. We don't know what to expect. Matt
1: you're leading us off in this category. I'm leading off. This is my number four out of six rating. The all original. I'm actually cheating here because I got (laughs) to tell you, this game (laughs) game is not entirely all original. It does exist... in an existing universe but you probably haven't heard of it so that it's fine <laughs> so my pick is avowed which is going to be a day one game pass game in 2024 avowed is made by obsidian entertainment brought you the outer worlds grounded last year's pentiment i believe it was last year that mm-hmm. i loved tiny little side project Night yeah was that was 2022 i guess now that we're in 2024, 2022 yeah. not last year anymore two years ago Yes. You know, Fallout New Vegas, Obsidian obviously has a story track record. And Avowed is an action role-playing first-person game. The trailers look great. It's a fantasy kind of world. So it exists in the same universe as their previous release, Pillars of Eternity and Pillars of Eternity 2, which uh, a lot of people missed. Let's just, you know... It's all original if you haven't heard of those games or played them. Sure. <laughs> I have every reason to be excited about this. I love this kind of first-person role-playing kind of game, and, and Obsidian rarely misses. They rarely miss. So this is one I'm pretty hyped for. Let me get that sword. Let's do some weird magic stuff. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Looks like it's going to be a big-time sink. Justin,
3: we both have threes in this category, but I know that Matt is hyped for your pick as well, so why
0: don't you go next? Okay, but I have to give a little wind-up to Matt because I will say that there's a game that should be here instead, but it was supposed to come out last year and it didn't, and it was a small game, and maybe the dev is even listening to this podcast. Where is the Golden Girls Take Manhattan? I wanted to play that so bad.
2: For people who don't
0: know, the Golden Girls Take Manhattan was supposed to be like, a persona style game, <laughs> but with <laughs> the Golden Girl and the trailer for it looks incredible. And I, <laughs> I was like tapping my watch for like a solid nine months. And it was supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out last year. And I just, I, I completely so I forgot seeing, about it. Uh, yeah, I see. Hopefully, a, it's still coming out. Sadly. But thank you for being a friend and reminding me.
2: <laughs> you, that trailer is iconic. <laughs>
3: Thank you for being. Sadly, I have to be an enemy and reveal that the game has been canceled. Apparently, what? Stop. As of October, and the reason for canceling it is it's not some sort of licensing issue, but because quote the scope of it is significantly larger than what we're equipped to handle. No, Blanche got too busy busy to handle it For (laughs) for everybody. I
0: was equipped. Is, yeah. No man, I'm yeah. I'm done gaming. I don't even know if I can go on. No, I'll talk about my pick. Okay, so my pick, and mm-hmm. here's the thing: Let's. I'm going to say this title, and I'm going to feel ridiculous eh? when I say <laughs> "Metaphor Refantasio." Fantasio, sure. Metaphor Refantasio. Atlas's Metaphor Refantasio. There's no. Right? There's a re in
1: it but mm-hmm. it's not a remake it's not a remaster it's <laughs> right it, it's yeah. this is for all we know the first fantasio <laughs> it is the first, that's what they should that's a good subtitle. The and, first and yeah, fantasio. it's it's a, a fantasio i don't know we'll see yeah i don't it's
0: it's like an atlas rpg it's it, you know what it is i think there's something about when atlas does non persona rpg stuff that's also not trying to do the the Persona style, like I think all the time of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which is like the the Shin Megami Tensei Fire Emblem mashup game that makes no sense, that is like about the J-pop industry, but has like (laughs) just iconically good combat, right? And it's like, I don't know, sometimes I'm not, there are times when I need to break up the the extreme psychoanalysis of Persona or the kind of occult, like, quippy demonness of SMT with, I don't know, Metaphor re just looks like an anime game. <laughs> it just looks like some anime bullshit. <laughs> and you know what yeah, I mean? Get them it's like hyped. a good cleanse type of Atlas game. And I, I'm just addicted to a lot of the Atlas like game design conventions, hmm. which I think is why I'm hyped for it. But it also, it's like, if you watch the trailer, I'm just like cringing through so much of the writing And there's one guy with like a Scottish accent. And I don't know, it it, it just seems like the kind of anime that I would never in a million years watch, but I will play this game because I trust the imprimatur. I trust the lineage. I trust the studio that much. And also if I don't like it, I can just go back to play, you know, (laughs) any number of Persona remasters (laughs) and remakes and originals and
2: ports. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins in the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16.
4: Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
3: Well, my pick, which is also a three, is not based on a studio track record because this is so all original that I believe it's the debut game for Ironwood Studios. So we're really flying blind here or driving blind, maybe, because my game is Pacific Drive. Now, maybe this is not really on brand for me because it's a survival game. I guess it's not quite survival horror. We're sort of in another golden age for survival horror. It's survival creepy maybe not quite survival horror, but it's a driving game where you play from a first-person perspective, looking out the windshield of your car. Now, I don't really like racing games for the most part, but I do like driving games, which is an important distinction. I don't have a driver's license IRL, so I always enjoy taking a car for a virtual spin. And this game, it's from a Pacific Northwest studio. It's set in the Pacific Northwest, but sort of like a dystopian, weird, x filesy y hellscape-y, Twins Peak-style Pacific Northwest. So you're just driving this car. You can customize the car. The car gets attacked by various monsters. You can repair the car. There are, I think, some on-foot sequences, but mostly you're in this station wagon. And it just looks really stylish. It's got cool music. I just, I like the look of this thing. I like the story or what we can tell about the Story, this kind of uh, paranormal style story. So, again, like there's just not that much to go on here. So, I'm kind of going out on a limb and taking a risk. But Pacific Drive, I,
1: I really like the looks of this thing. Either of you with me here? I just think it's hilarious that like the New York City boys, like hype <laughs> game is like get in the <laughs> car and drive. Ooh, <laughs> I get to drive. Get me, get me out. You know, I feel like uh, living in LA, like I have the opposite <laughs> instincts. Like, yeah, m- let me get out out of this car and walk everywhere. <laughs> this is a, a horror game for you because it's just your yeah. real life. Just, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, welcome yeah. to my life, Ben. I Even mean, when really. you
0: were describing it, Ben, you seemed <laughs> lost in a dream to me. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, Ben needs this. Like, yeah, him a prescription for this game.
1: <laughs> yeah. It seems good. It's kind of like I, Welcome I think to Night Vale-ish. Yeah. yeah. It's an exciting looking format. I, I understand why you're hyped for it. it, mm-hmm. it, it it's an ambitious It's an ambitious project, which I think if they if they nail it, it's going to be something really unique and special. Right. And I guess there's like a
3: randomization procedural generation roguelike aspect to it, maybe. And and some puzzles and creativity involved. It just it sounds like a mishmash. I have no idea how it will turn out, but I'm intrigued at least. So some other possibilities we wanted to mention here. There's Rise of the Ronin, which uh, I guess is one of the few PlayStation first party exclusives that's coming out this year, and uh, just yet another action RPG style, Souls like kind of game. You've got Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden. You've got Skull and Bones, the aforementioned, which I'm still holding out hope. I mean, if it's just like Black Flag, the ship combat, but in a big pirate game I'm in, the fact that it's been delayed like eight times (laughs) notwithstanding. Then you've got Aiden Chronicles, Hundred Heroes. That was one that you guys almost picked, right? Yeah, I almost picked that. Yeah. And then replaced some sort of humorous looking games, Harold Halibut, which is sort of a stop motion style look, baby steps, Black Myth Wukong, which is yet another in the Souls-like entry, but that looked Pretty great. Still Wakes the Deep. Horror game, the casting of Frank Stone, more horror. Angerfoot, which is like a first-person shooter slash first-person kicker. You kick people. Dustborne, Ghostbike, John Carpenter's Toxic Commando. John Carpenter loves video games. He's making one, or at least slapping his name on one. Lost Records, Bloom and Rage, Skate Stories, Zenless, Zone Zero, Zenless Animal Zone Well. Zone Zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, <more>
0: anime.
3: Anime.
1: <laughs> Blade, Chimera.
3: Um, Anything here that either of you wants to
1: focus on before we move on? Yeah, I mean, this is the category that has the most things that I'm excited about. The all original games. This is always what compels me in gaming. A new idea, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is really exciting to me. Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden, I think looks really cool. This is a game by Don't Nod, and they are not typically known for making this kind of like third-person action game. They're the people who make like Life is Strange, you know. This yes. this is a very like story-driven. And Jusant is Mm -hmm. a very story-driven developer. And Banisher's Ghost of New Eden is about this couple of banishers who are kind of tasked with uh, separating the the living world from the dead world, right? If there are sort of spirits hanging around, they want to banish them. In the beginning of the game, one of them dies and becomes a ghost. And then it's like, oh boy. Now we have conflict of interest here and the combat looks really cool. You can switch between the alive person and the dead woman. And you're trying to sort of suss out, you know, how to, what to do now that, you know, one of them is a ghost and you were both banishers. So let bad on the resume. <laughs> so that game, that's really exciting looking to me. That's out February 13th. Replaced is a really cool looking sci-fi Two and a half D retro futuristic action platformer. That's going to be a day one Game Pass game sometime this year. Uh, Also on PC. Just a really cool art style for Replaced. Definitely excited for that. Iudan Chronicles. Iudan? Iudan? I don't even know. 100 (laughs) Heroes. So this is by the people who made Suikoden back in the day. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Rabbit and Bear Studios is putting this out. All platforms pretty much April 23rd. This is just a, a good old fashioned RPG. That looks really nice. Skate story looks super cool. You're like some metallic looking thing skating through the underworld, trying Mm -hmm. to kill demons on your skateboard. And it's got really good music. Angerfoot, I actually played the demo. The demo of Angerfoot is on Steam. And I was playing that. This is by the same people who made Bro Force, that 2D shooter with all the uh, you know action star ripoffs. But mm-hmm. Angerfoot, you're you're basically you have to run through a level as fast as you can. You, you're kicking people and shooting people. You have very little life, and if you die, you start at the beginning of the level. And you just it's just kind of frantic. Yeah. And it's definitely worth your time if you like you know twitchy shooters and that are humorous, really funny game. You can unlock new shoes that do. Different things when you (laughs) kick people, or like (laughs) steel-toed boots. It's it's a super cool thing. Angerfoot would love to check that out. Yeah, and then the two other things that I'm excited about are Animal Well and Blade Camara, which both look like sort of Metroidvania uh, games coming out this year that look really exciting. Yeah. So this is
3: maybe the most intriguing category because you just don't know what to expect. So we could dream on any of these, but also any of them could crash and burn, which is why we have so many entries in this next category. Because uh, publishers want a little certainty. And if they can give us another game that we have had already and enjoyed, then they will do that. And we will apparently lap it up. So let's get to our reruns. Again, these can be remakes, remasters, or re-releases. And Matt, I guess you're going to go first here.
1: Yeah, I'll take it. This is my five out of six. We just got some info that we seemingly can expect the remake of Silent Hill 2 to drop this year. For the kids who don't know, back in the day, this game, Silent Hill and Silent Hill 2, they are horror games that came out on, I believe, the PlayStation. <laughs> they're atmospheric. They're creepy. They are really important games in in sort of the, the history of the horror gaming genre. The second one, Silent Hill 2, is, is kind of regarded by most people as, as one of the best in the series. Now, Silent Hill back in the day was sort of put out before the hardware could really handle (laughs) Mm -hmm. what it is which is why the Silent Hill games are known for having all this fog right because like Sure, it's creepy and it's atmospheric, and that lets you make a horror game when really the limitations of the hardware may say, you know what, the draw distance <laughs> yeah. isn't super far <laughs> right. on this original PlayStation. So mm-hmm. maybe there's just a lot of fog because there's yeah. supposed to be fog because it's creepy. Yes. Yeah, that's always a
3: a point of contention. Yeah, when a remake or a re-release comes out and they they take away the fog. Because they don't need it anymore, they can actually render the level, but it was so atmospheric that everyone misses the fog. Like in the GTA re-releases or Zelda re-release, I think Ocarina of Time, that was an issue. The fog can be additive at times, even if originally it was just a fudge factor. Justin, I guess this is another opportunity for you to talk about Persona.
0: Well, first, I want to pick up where, where Matt left off for a second, because I, as somebody who was like a huge Resident Evil kid, I ne- I've never played any of the Silent Hill stuff. And certainly... That's like a series that like if you didn't play it back in the day, it's like not a good experience trying to play them now because the availability sucks and the games that you can play are the bad ones in that Mm -hmm. franchise. So that's my excitement for I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll be excited for Silent Hill 2 just from a different perspective of having never gotten to play like a classic, like a good classic Silent Hill entry. I'm, of course, here to talk some more about Persona,
2: about (laughs) Persona
0: 3 Reload. And this one's interesting because, like, I I love Persona. I love talking about Persona on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm not the biggest fan of Persona 3. (gasps) Persona 3 has, like, you know, it's original, then Persona 3 FES, Persona 3 Portable. There are a few different ways you can experience Persona 3 pre this, this remake of it that's coming out in February. Persona 3, I'd think of 3, 4, and 5. 3 has a lot of really good stuff in it. I mean, the theme of that game is like, it's actually really fascinating in a lot of ways, but I also think it just has a lot of, some of the characterizations are a little janky in that game. Like, it's the kind of game where I'm like, the reason I'm excited for it to be remade is not because, oh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I'm in this case excited for the remake because I'm hoping they do some things differently, both in terms of, like I said, some of the, the characterizations in that game, I'm thinking specifically of, like, the sub-antagonist of that game, Strega. In the original Persona 3, they just kind of suck. (laughs) They just can't stand Strega. But also stuff like Tartarus, which people have always complained about, sort of the, like, dungeon, the procedurally generated dungeoning of Persona 3 can feel a little rough compared to, I think, especially 5. People love the dungeons in 5, and those are very sort of distinct, and they feel, like... They feel like real modern, like ornate, you know, dungeons compared to Tartarus in the original three. And I'm curious to see how they do that this time around. But it's just like Persona 3 is a game that has a lot of potential in it in terms of a remake. And that's why I'm really excited. Well, that's your number four in the hype rankings. I congratulate you on your
3: restraint on not going (laughs) maximum hype for something Persona related. My number one, which is not to say I'm not hyped for it, but maybe just a reflection of I'm a little less excited in general for remakes and remasters than for something I haven't played before. But I'm most excited that maybe other people will get to play Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons which is a beautiful little game that came out in 2013 originally. It's directed by Joseph Fares. It's his first game before A Way Out, and It Takes Two and his Rant at the Game Awards. So maybe they're remaking this, re-releasing this to capitalize on the prominence of some of those games. But... This was just a delightful little game that you could play with another person, just a great narrative that's tied into the gameplay and the controls in a way that I won't spoil because I hope some people will play this. It's kind of dinged for me just because I don't know that it needed a remake. You know, they're sprinkling some fancy graphics in there and I think a new orchestral score. And I'm sure it will be better, but it's not so old or so unavailable that I necessarily would have put it at the top of my list for a game that I needed to get remade. But if it leads to more people playing Brothers A Tale of Two Sons, then I will be quite pleased that it's coming out again. So long list of others that we considered here, The Last of Us Part Two Remastered comes out next week. We have Braid, the anniversary edition, coming later this year, after I made Jess play the original last year. Lots and lots of Nintendo remakes and remasters. Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Luigi's Mansion 2 HD, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door... I can hope and dream that maybe we will get some other Zelda games. Maybe we will finally get Wind Waker Waker. on (laughs) Switch. Who knows? Or some others. We have Alone in the Dark, which is kind of original, kind of a remake. We have Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater, a non-Kojima-involved remake of MGS3. We have Shadow of the Ninja Reborn, we have Gothic, Need for Speed Most Wanted, Star Wars Dark Forces, a personal favorite of mine, maybe the first first-person shooter I ever played back in the mid-90s, Tomb Raider 1-3, to satisfying Justin's desire for more Tomb Raider, and Suikoden 1-2 and 2 HD Remaster, not to be outdone by the Aodin Chronicles. Anything in particular you guys have your eye on
0: here that we did not pick? Can we, wait, well, oh, that we didn't pick because I was just going to talk about Tomb Raider for a <laughs> second. Yeah. yeah, talk sure. about Tomb Raider. No, it's just like, I, look, I know in my in my millennial heart, right? Like I know th- I'm going to go back and play those first three Tomb Raider games. And I know that they were <laughs> annoying to play. Like mm-hmm. Those are the kind of old games where you're like, even if you just like nowadays go watch a stream of somebody playing like Tomb Raider 2. And just watch them die. <laughs> the most. <laughs> those those like, wolves, the, man. Those yeah, wolves. Yeah, the and, fuck. Wolf, and it's just like the physics. Though. It is just. But like you know, what, the maybe those <laughs> <and the, laughs> But it's like the camera movie. You know, it's like the kind of game that you loved it because you didn't know how janky it was because the yes. year was whatever year it was, <laughs> and so like there's part of me that knows that like I'm gonna drop the twenty nine dollars on this collection. I'm gonna play it for ten minutes. I'm gonna be like, you know what, bro. I'm good. I'm gonna go play some more hitman, like F this. But I gotta do it for the culture. I I miss I legitimately miss playing low poly. And I love modern Tomb Raider. I love those new games. Yeah, pretty good. I I miss I miss low poly Tomb Raider. We gotta restore the feeling. We gotta return.
1: Ben, I'm proud of you for not picking Dark Forces. I know, I know you and I both had that on C D ROM. Yes. Still one of the games that I feel like
3: nailed the feeling of Star Wars more than anything, Mm -hmm. even though graphically it's pretty primitive now, which I guess is why we need a re-release. But that just it felt like Star Wars, you know, it told an original story at the time, kind of a a precursor to Rogue One, Kyle Katarn stealing the Death Star plans. That to me, like when I was looking for supplementary Star Wars material and reading all the EU books and everything, Dark Forces was a a
1: formative foundational game for me and from uh, from around that time of PC gaming uh, alone in the dark was a franchise mm-hmm. that that was well known so i i'm actually pretty curious to check out this this reimagining of alone in the dark that's that's coming out this year yeah all right our second to last category adaptations hollywood
3: continuing to capitalize on gaming source material here and justin you're going to go first with your most hyped pick of all we're back to league again and
0: it's yes. like I, when i watched <laughs> when i watched season 1 of arcane i was just i had no i had no expectations other than other than expectations of like looking at that art style and looking at the animation style and being like wow this is this is really impressive like mm-hmm. okay let's go you know I, I have no attachment to these characters to this ip and i watched it and there's just something about Man, it's 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 obviously a beautiful show, but also that show has, like, all the hormones. That show has all the feels. <laughs> There's just something very emotionally, like, the characterizations on that show are great. Like, I just felt emotions watching this, right? And mm-hmm. it, again, it was, like, the impressive feat of, like, this is an adaptation of something I know nothing about. And I felt, like, pretty sucked into Arcane yeah. by, like, the second episode. I don't know who doesn't want more of Arcane. Like, even outside of this list or outside of this conversation about, like, video game stuff, I I would put Arcane on top of just my general list of stuff I'm looking forward to in 2024. Yeah. I'm with you. Winner of the NE for Outstanding Animated
3: Program, uh, winner of the Game Award for Best Adaptation. I mean, we're all excited for Arcane. I think maybe we all would have taken this. I certainly would have picked this if you hadn't written it down in the Google Doc first. <laughs> so yeah, cannot wait. We will certainly be covering that on maybe more than one show on the Ringerverse feed. My pick here, I probably would have taken either of your picks before this one, but With my number two, I'm going to go with Devil May Cry, which is yet another in a long line of Netflix animated video game adaptations from Adi Shankar, who is the creator of the Castlevania, Castlevania Nocturne adaptations, Captain Laserhawk as well. And again, Castlevania was so good and really such a breakthrough release when it came to adaptations and showing that video game adaptations could be good and that maybe TV was the best home for them. So it's really just the track record here. The art looks good. This is uh, animated by Studio Muir of The Legend of Korra and my adventures with Superman, etc. Right. So it's just kind of the creative talent associated with the show makes me think that it will be good based on others like it by these same people. So pretty pretty psyched for
1: Devil May Cry. All right, and my pick is going to be one out of six on my hype meter. I'm still hyped for this, but I'm just not going to get as hyped on a TV show as I am about video games. So <laughs> my pick is Fallout. And we've talked about Fallout a bit on this show. It looks like they're doing everything right that they could possibly be doing uh, to me, at least as a Fallout <laughs> fan. No red flags at all so far. So I'm really excited to see how that turns out.
3: Yeah, me too. We will certainly be covering that here as well. Other candidates we considered, the Borderlands movie, <laughs> probably finally coming out. Incredible cast, but has been stuck in development for a while. like to see... Jack Black expanding his video game movie (laughs) Empire. He's in Mario. He's in Minecraft. He's in Borderlands. Kate Blanchett is in this movie. The cast is amazing. And Craig Mazin was involved as a writer originally, but then wanted his name removed from the project, which doesn't seem like a great sign. It's been in reshoots. I don't really know what to expect from the Borderlands movie anymore. Subsequent seasons of existing series were eligible for this category. So... Halo Season 2 is coming out fairly soon. Season 1 was fine. I think there's an actual Halo in Halo Season 2, so maybe it'll be better. Lots of Sonic content coming. Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic Prime Season 3, The Knuckles Show on Paramount+. Plus. Lots of animation, lots of Netflix animation. Ark, the animated series Tomb Raider, The Legend of Lara Croft, Return to Silent Hill possibly coming out this year. So, yeah, the assembly line is not slowing down, like this is just gonna be every year from here on out.
1: I'd like to rant about Borderlands for a brief second. (laughs) (laughs) Go go off, King! I'm I'm just gonna go off for a second. This, don't get me wrong, I love the Borderlands games. I love them. I have put so many hours into that series. I do not in any way, shape, or form need an adaptation of Borderlands. Mm. The story in these games is a thing that I sit through and occasionally, take note of the tone of the characters when they're speaking (laughs) borderlands is great because they have a lot of guns and they have a lot of guns to do cool things. And that's pretty much it for me as a borderlands fan. I have, I can't think of many franchises that I have less interest in the story and that I actively play than borderlands. So, you know, I, if it's great, great, but I really have no interest in it as someone who's a huge borderlands fan. Yeah. And that was one of the pitfalls for video game adaptations
3: for a long time. wasn't just the execution, but the selection of the properties and the source material. It just didn't really supply a story. And sometimes that's worked out well. I was surprised by Twisted Metal Season 1. Season 2 is in the works, maybe not for this year. But you're right. You are starting from a point of hopefully this is going to be something new and original as opposed to adapting beat for beat, which isn't something I want, even when the story is great, unless maybe it's The Last of Us, which, of course, we will have to wait until 2025 for season two of that show. That takes us to our final category, Unconfirmed. So anything goes here. Almost anything goes. Things that we think could, might come out in 2024 that we hope will come out but that we just have to put in pencil for now. And I'm going to go first because this is my six, although, Matt, you also have a six in this category. The Switch 2. Now, maybe I'm cheating a little bit because this is not a game, but it will will run games. I respect your moxie. (laughs) Yeah, and it's going to be a big story in gaming in 2024. Even if it doesn't come out, it will certainly be revealed. We will learn about it. We will know when it's coming out, one would think. But there seems to be a consensus that there's a decent chance that we will have our hands on Nintendo's next system this year. And I don't know what to expect, and I wonder what you guys expect and what you think it should be. Because the Switch has been so successful and has had such a long lifespan and had as strong a year as ever in 2023. But that seemed like maybe the last gasp, the swan song, let's give people a new Zelda, let's give people a new Mario. And then once the holiday season is passed, we will unveil the successor. And it's time, you know, if you look at the multi-platform games, the non-Nintendo made games, they're struggling, they're chugging on that old Switch hardware. Yeah, yeah. But... What do we want here? It seems like maybe we're just bypassing a Switch Pro, just a higher def version of the Switch and going on to the SQL system, which supposedly has been in some developers' hands, although Nintendo has denied those reports. So you'd think just because the Switch has been so successful that Nintendo would just iterate on that, that it would be something Switch adjacent, but rarely does Nintendo just run back a successful system. For better or worse, there's always some sort of left turn, some innovation. I mean, when was the last time Nintendo didn't shake things up in some significant way with a home console? I mean, the N64 maybe, which obviously was a big graphical upgrade over the Super NES, but didn't really push the hardware forward, was still stuck in cartridge land as other systems were switching to disk. But after that, it's been... The belated switch from cartridge to disk and then adding motion controls and then adding a touchscreen gamepad and then making the switch a hybrid home slash portable system. That last element, I assume, will be preserved, that the switch will, you know, the successor will similarly be something that you can take on the go but because it's nintendo you know there's got to be something that none of us is thinking about right it's not just going to be the switch but with more ram and 4k textures right it could Does be either of you have it could be yeah it could be though i, have, I wouldn't be mad about it. i think
0: that's a problem cuz like think about and i think it's why the switch 2 is interesting to talk about and well, i'm glad you you added it ben cuz it's like you really do have to think about the difference between the launch year of the Switch and then what would be the launch year of the Switch too? Like, part of it, like, sure, there was the hype for Breath of the Wild, right? But I otherwise was, like, a person who did not have a ton of it, like, I hadn't fully on my own played as the game, right? So it's like, I got the Switch maybe partly because of Breath of the Wild, but also got a Switch because of the kind of novelty of that console, right? Whereas now, like, and not everyone's like this. Some people are enough of a Nintendo, like they want the Nintendo games that to them, it's like the Switch 2 would be the the only thing on the market. But I'm I'm the kind of person, I'm the kind of gamer, I have a PC, right? I have like a good graphics card. To me, if the Switch 2 is going to be what you're describing, then it is kind of like, ah, I'm going to buy a Steam Deck finally, actually, mm-hmm. instead. Like that's, mm-hmm. I think that's the issue is that like the market looks slightly different. And I'm not saying that the Steam Deck is like, the Steam Deck successful. successful. It, it's still not, I don't know. It's still a, it's still, we're still living in a Microsoft versus Sony versus Nintendo world though. The Steam Deck is still kind of a novelty, but it's viable enough that like, if it's just what you're describing, I'm just going to buy a Steam Deck instead. I will probably get whatever it is
3: (laughs) just because, A, I cover video games, but also because I want to play Nintendo first-party releases that won't be available on any other system. So Mm. they have me over a barrel, over Donkey Kong's barrel when it comes to that. (laughs) But Also, yeah, I mean, I think it is a more competitive mobile market, what with the upgrades to phones, with the ability to stream other games on phones. And yeah, as we talked about on our Game of the Year pod and and Matt, you talked about that as one of your trends of 2023, just how many good on the go gaming systems there are. So that's kind of why I think that it can't just be the Switch, but slightly better, you know, as many copies as the Switch has sold and as good as the games probably would be. It just feels to me like it's Nintendo. There's going to be a gimmick of some sort that we won't
1: anticipate. I think The Switch is such a wild success that I think we're actually going to see Nintendo not really change it up that much. What I'm really curious about is when this transition happens, if it is more sort of iterative, the Switch 2, I'm really going to be looking at What are they going to do with their first party games? Is it going to be like this transition between PS4, PS5, where the new games are coming out on both? Or are they going to say, you know what? We're making this new first party title. It's only coming out on Switch 2. So we can get the best graphics out of it. Or are they gonna? Ha- are we gonna have another year or two years where these first-party games are coming out on both systems, and that therefore limiting sort of like the peak graphics of you know the Switch Two versions of these games that we're constantly right. struggling with w- w- between the PS4 and PS5 era? So I'm gonna be looking at that. I think they're kind of gonna be expecting this to be a slow transition for their audience from switch one to switch two, like eventually people will transition over. That's what I would assume. But if it is this sort of iterative switch to, I need, I need them to do the OLED screen. Don't go Mm -hmm. back. Don't go back. (laughs) Nintendo, you delay this thing. If you need to give me that OLED. You better give this me is, that OLED screen. You can put your <laughs> name
0: in a press release when they do it, too. then all the gamers are ready.
1: <laughs> and then there's two other things I want. Put a D-pad on this thing. Good mm. Lord. I know you like having the four buttons. For the, for the control, just give me a D-pad. Uh, please have the buttons
3: correspond to the buttons on other systems, too. Please do not make me forget where
1: Y is when I go from <laughs> one system to the other. That would be nice. I don't know about that. But also, I would like, if they, if they do have this sort of tablet and Joy-Cons thing again, give me some ergonomics on those Joy-Cons. They're so flat. Mm-hmm. on the Switch one. We just, just you know, there's so many people making accessory Joy-Cons that have some ergonomics to them for longer gaming sessions. You're
0: designing the Herman Miller Nintendo <laughs> Switch collaboration.
1: <laughs> you, you're going to get it. Gonna get the ergonomics it. is going to be on point. You know what would be cool too is if the, the if they do do this iterative thing, if, if you could, if the connection between the tablet and the Joy-Con is the same as Switch one, so you mm-hmm. can still use your old Joy Cons if yeah. you want it to, yeah. But maybe these new ones have that D pad and those ergonomics that I want, and a little so less drift, perhaps this time. A little, too. yeah. Mm. Let's get those Hall effects. Let's talk about let's these get drives. the Hall effects. <laughs>
0: Another drift discus,
1: and give me analog triggers. I need the mm-hmm. L two and R two analog triggers.
3: Yeah, but when it comes out if it comes out this year or even in 2025 it'll be sort of off cycle between the mm-hmm. releases of playstations and xboxes which i think is the sweet spot now because all these console manufacturers are competing but they're playing in different sandboxes to some extent and maybe sony and microsoft are competing more directly whereas nintendo's just off doing its own thing it hasn't really competed In the horsepower perspective since, what, GameCube, N64, I mean, they've sort of seeded the ground of we're going to have the best looking graphics and it's more about you're going to be able to play our games in a different way, which with the Switch was you can play it on the go. So maybe it'll just be that again, or maybe it'll be something slightly different. But I'm really eager to find out exactly what it is, and there better not be any screwing around with backwards compatibility. Yeah, not make me pay for that or anything, or or make it impossible. You gotta give me backward compatibility. Don't make me buy all of your games again, even though I probably would. But yeah, that that's my hope, I guess. So we'll find out more about that soon. And if I had had to pick a game for this category. I probably would have gone with Metroid Prime 4, hoping that maybe that will finally surface. Maybe that will be a launch title for Switch 2 or Super Switch or whatever it ends up being called. And, you know, we haven't seen hide nor hair of it for years at this point, but... The precedent for Metroid Prime Remastered just being announced and dropping without any preludes. Maybe that's how we're going to get Metroid Prime 4 2. Who knows? I can dream. So, Matt, your pick, your six as well. Maybe this game will come out for Switch 2. Give us your most,
1: your most hyped pick, to, your desire for 2024. This is, let me preface this by saying this is my six of six, and this mm-hmm. is completely unfounded. This is based <laughs> on absolutely nothing. Okay, But I want a new 2D Castlevania. I demand <laughs> one. And I think that the stars are kind of aligning for this to happen in the next couple of years. We have two very successful seasons of Castlevania shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got a Dead Cells Castlevania uh, DLC last year. That was very exciting. So I think that the castlevania ip is in a better place than it has been after years of of being largely dormant i feel like there's hype behind this if you're at konami and you're sitting with all of your coworkers who have joined konami specifically hoping to one day work on a castlevania game i think that you know the the netflix success has kind of paved the way like even if you're too young to have really played many castlevania games like you're familiar with the ip because you've been on netflix and you probably at least tried to watch one or two seasons of this thing i would really love it (laughs) give me a (laughs) give me a full new 2d castlevania i like it yeah i mean
3: metroidvania games are everywhere but we are staring in the face of a year with no metroid or vania so that that can't happen. We got to have one of those things at least. Maybe it's Metroid Prime 4, maybe it's your dream for a 2D Castlevania. We will see. Justin, close us out. What is your pick for unconfirmed game?
0: Schrodinger's remake here. We're even... so <laughs> Capcom is making more Resident Evil remakes, but it's sort of a it's a coin flip. People still don't aren't sure whether the next one is going to be Resident Evil Code Veronica or Resident Evil 5. Now, first of all, I want to say that I'm submitting this remake for all the people who have been told in the past year that remakes don't count, that remakes don't deserve Game of the Year awards. (laughs) I'm here to say, no, I actually, of all the unconfirmed stuff, I'm excited for remake. And I'm excited for yet another, what is this, the umpteenth Resident Evil remake. And I'm still excited for these things. I think for Code Veronica, because Code Veronica is one of those Resident Evil games where it's like, it's like one that a lot of people just skip. I skipped. I've watched lots of sort of like playthroughs of Code Veronica and people streaming it, but I've never played it myself. It's like a relatively long Resident Evil game, has some issues, is a bit janky, even by Resident Evil standards, has some soft locking problems from what I understand. And it's sort of, if it's Code Veronica that gets remade by Capcom, I'm excited because it's like, yeah, finally a version of that game that I will actually play. (laughs) And then if it's Resident Evil 5, that game, I think over the years has developed I mean, it's a very successful game, and yet it's a very divisive game. Over the years, it's developed a defense force of reply guys who will insist <laughs> that Resident <laughs> Evil 5 is good, actually. It's otherwise seen as kind of the, the disappointment after the height of Resident Evil 4. It's like a game that takes a lot of stuff from Resident Evil 4, but becomes way more linear and way more action-y and loses a lot of, I think, the kind of enigmatic properties of, of Resident Evil 4. So if they remake five, I'm excited for it just because I think that's a game. I kind of think about it the same way as Resident Evil three. That's a game I didn't like the original Resident Evil three. And I liked having an opportunity to just take another bite of the apple and be like, let's let's try this again. Let's try this again in a new era, new format. And I feel the same way about five. There's this cool stuff about Resident Evil five, but I don't know. I would like to give Capcom another bite of the apple and another attempt. And I also think that like, even in figuring out which of these games is getting remade, I think playing the Resident Evil 4 remake, you can kind of tell that Capcom knows they want to milk Wesker. Mm, Wesker is like a weird case of like a character, like the most iconic character from a video game franchise, but they killed him off like a decade and a half ago. They killed him off in the original Resident Evil 5, which is like a weird choice in a lot of ways that like, Wesker has been a kind of dormant, inert character in Resident Evil lore outside of the movies, right, for a very long time, despite being a lot of ways the face of the franchise. And that's
1: why it's going to go to Code Veronica. Yeah, I think they have to go to Code Veronica. I played the Dreamcast version when it came out, and that that is a Wesker-heavy game. Yeah, they have to do Code Veronica first. They can't just go to
0: Five. I I do think that's a good theory. Five is the one that has the co-op, though, right? yeah. It's so, the one thing everybody, I think, loves about Five. I
1: really enjoyed 5, but that's only because I played it co-op with a friend. Right. Yeah. If I were, pl- like, as a single-player Resident Evil experience, yeah, that was pretty weak. But Code yeah. Veronica, I do remember Wesker being all over that and the yeah. story being pretty dang cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that would be the one that I would be more hyped about. And and I'm excited for people who haven't played Code Veronica to play that because that's a, that's a good Resident Evil story. Yeah. For sure, and I, 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 yeah,
0: I think between the two, like I, I have a slight preference for it being Code Veronica, just because again, I want to play Code Veronica in some <laughs> form or fashion. But you know, remakes count. <laughs> in conclusion, remakes count, and I'm excited for. But.
3: You're subtweeting, subpotting us on our. (laughs) our, They don't count. Not for game of the year. (laughs) That's that's the way we went on our written top ten. I said in one episode,
1: (laughs) I said no, it does not count for game of the year, and then in the next episode, I took it in my draft of 2023 (laughs) games. Wow, you're just playing both sides here. So
3: any number of other possibilities we could have selected here that are somewhere in that nebulous realm. Maybe they've been announced, but we haven't heard anything and we're wondering whether they're vaporware or whether they'll actually come out, you know, KOTOR remakes, etc. But... Hollow Knight Silksong would have been the one that I would have Mm. drafted if the Switch 2 hadn't been sitting out there. Certainly if my wife were here, that would be her six. She is super excited for that game. I feel it in my bones. I think this is going to be the year. I think we're going to get Hollow Knight Silksong this year. How much longer can it take? (laughs) Famous (laughs) last words. Then I guess you've got Fable 4, one of these years. Assassin's Creed, codename Red, was another that came to my mind. And, you know, as Ezio says in Assassin's Creed 2, speaking of Assassin's Creed, wanting something does not give you the right to have it.
1: So That's true. Some I have games one that more, though. We've talked about today. will have got not one be more theory. theory. Yeah, what else you got? I know yeah, you're talking about Switch 2 and maybe Metroid Prime 4 would be a launch title. I've mm-hmm. got a great theory on a launch title for Switch 2 if you want to okay. sell Switch 2s. Sure. A brand new Mario Kart. Ooh. The best-selling game. Yeah, the Switch. It's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Can we get a Mario Kart 9 regular? Yeah. I think we can. And I and I think we will. I don't know if it's gonna happen this year. But Mm -hmm. when that Mario Kart, when the new Mario Kart drops on the next Switch, that's (laughs) the tidal wave. That's when people
0: But do you think the timing's gonna be? Because they just how how recently I just feel like it's been so recently that they added all those new stages to end. Yeah, they're adding maps nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to it's milk just, the last Mario Kart before they yeah, give us the new ones. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they might they might leave us hanging for another couple of years on Mario Kart. Yeah, they I'm might. Afraid.
1: But I I think like that it has to be in the works and as as the top-selling game on the Switch, like whenever they plan on making that transition of their of their gamer base from Switch to Switch 2, whenever they want to facilitate that truly I think that is the game that will get people to buy that new system.
3: All right, dare to dream, Matt Justin. Thank you for coming on. I look forward to talking to you both much more in 2024. Thanks, Sam. I can't.
1: I can't wait to see Charity how your progress in Street Fighter Six goes. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I dream but you do. <laughs>
1: All right, email us at ringerversegaming
3: at gmail.com to let us know what we missed or what's at the top of your wanted list. Apologies for anything we snubbed. We'll make up for it later. And we want to be surprised. We want to be blown away by something we didn't see coming. Thanks to Devin Ronaldo for producing. Thanks to Arjuna Remkapal for scheduling and coordinating. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, and The Last of Us Part II Remastered come out next week. So maybe we will get to those on our next episode. Stay tuned for that. And stay tuned to The Ringiverse and House of R for more anticipation pods and Echo coverage. And thanks in advance for letting us keep you company in 2024.